Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Come on, you guys ready for Ignite 2021? It's going to be awesome. And as you can see, things are looking a little bit different this weekend. We've got four incredible people up here. They're going to be sharing, as Pastor Colby said, what God has done in and through their life. And I'm excited for today. And I'm excited about some of those changes that we just talked about and really just the heart behind the intentionality that we can have just to continue to help people who are far from God reach their full potential in Christ. And I personally appreciate a pastor who just doesn't just see the mission, but sees beyond it and seeing the help uh, of what we can do with families and small groups and discipleship and helping people take their next step in their relationship with Jesus. So I'm pumped up about that and fired up for today for these four people who I'm going to introduce in just a moment. If you don't know what Ignite is, this is a series we've done before. We've got these four people who are going to share what God has done in and through their life. Now, this is rapid fire messages. So I tell you that because it's going to be quick. And so you're going to need to take notes fast. And I'm telling you to take notes because every single thing that they are going to be sharing is going to be something that's going to ignite the faith inside of you, that their story is really going to fuel the faith that you have as well. And I I truly believe that. Now, I'm going to also encourage you, if you're in the room, like maybe sit on the front edge of your seat a little bit, lean in some, Uh, maybe throw some encouragement up to these people. It's the first time they've really ever spoken and shared to our church. And so if something says in your spirit, I should say, amen. Holler out amen. If somebody says I should clap, clap. Cheer these people on as they share with you what God has done in and through their life. But all right, let's dive in to Ignite 2021, our first speaker. I'm going to introduce every single one of them so that way they can stand up here and they can just bring it for 10 minutes or less. All right, here we go. Our first speaker is a mother of five children. She works for the Martin Luther King Center. Uh, and as the housing manager for their senior housing complex, and she's also the, spe- the special event coordinator. Now, that's what she does, but listen to the kind of person and the character of the kind of person of who she is. Over the last 10 years, she has fostered 13 people, kids, right here in Erie County. How amazing is that? One of them she's been able to adopt as her own. She's been on our serve team here at Elevate Church as a host. She's usually in a white welcome shirt at our hub. Let's give a big, warm Elevate welcome to our first speaker, Felicia Graham. Come on. Praise the Lord. Come on, y'all. Come on, come on, come on. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord, everybody. Good morning, everyone. First, let me start off by saying what a privilege it is to stand before you are, you all. My prayer is that after telling my story, it leaves you full of hope and encouragement. As Will has told you, I have been fostering for quite a while. I receive kids in my home anywhere from birth to five years old. Being able to advocate for them and nourish them and make them feel safe is why I do what I do. As a foster parent, we always say that we are, we are left on the outside looking in. While the agencies and the courts handle each individual case, our main focus is the children. Always on the outside looking in. That's until September 2020. 
That's when I found myself and my family on the other side of that door. In September 2020, I got a call from the very agency that I worked for that they had received a call from the doctor's office regarding my grandchildren, my son's twins who were born May 2019. And they were also born three months premature. The twins were born with medical issues that required a lot of postnatal treatments. They have three other siblings. Once they were released from the hospital, I would go and I would check on everyone, making sure things were good. The parents were actually, I later found out, they were having a hard time. They were trying to do it all themselves, but were getting overwhelmed, trying to hold down the family and now trying to ma manage all of these extra doctor's appointments. So the agency gives me a call. They let me know what's going on and asked me if I would be willing to take the twins temporarily, long enough for the completion of all of their postnatal care. So of course, I stepped in. All those years of taking care of someone else's kids, here I am on the other side of the door. Because of the care they required, I had to rearrange my routine. All of my personal things that I had going on at the time, I figured I had to put them all on hold. I was in the process of buying a new home. To me, okay, this was gonna have to wait. I worked with their mom during the process, making sure they stayed in compliance with the court order which was visiting with the children, attending doctor's appointments with me. The plan was that by the next court hearing, which would have been May of this year, that all postnatal care would have been completed and the children would return home. During the process, it was rough. It was tough. I felt mom getting frustrated. I felt her getting kind of distant. She was really overwhelmed. Well, eight months later, and God did exactly what I expected him to do. Every specialist that the twins were seeing, they all gave them a clean bill of health. Praise God. <clears throat> the whole time I'm thanking God just for being faithful through the storm. Even when I couldn't see what was happening, even when I thought I wasn't going to make it, all I knew was that I had to trust in him. Now it's almost time for court. We just wait. As I wait patiently on that day, waiting for my phone to ring, normally at this point, and I've been here many times before, you're just waiting. You don't know what, how it's gonna turn out with the families. You don't know if it's gonna turn out as we hope. I started getting the feeling like I've had and I felt so many years and so many times before, this is not good. When I should have been joyous this morning, packing up clothes, getting them ready to go, I just felt sad and I couldn't understand why. Now don't get me wrong, I love my babies, but they're two. <laughs> I 
I do, I will move heaven and earth for my babies, but it's time to go home. <laughs> so as I wait, and I'm praying, and I'm praying, and I'm praying, instead of my phone ringing, I get a text message. Looked at the phone, and it's the caseworker. The text message read like this. Felicia, court just let out, and I have some bad news. Mom just signed her rights away from the twins. She told the judge that she just couldn't do it with five kids. And just like y'all looking at me now, that's exactly how I was looking. And all I can say is what in the world is going on? Blindsided, I had no idea. Now, I could tell you the steps that happened in between there after I got off the phone and jumped in my car, but I'm not gonna put y'all through that. <laughs> just, let, just let me tell you this. I came back home after I had to handle a little business, okay? I'm just being transparent with y'all. I'm trying to be 100, okay? I had to pull myself together. I had to have a little talk with Jesus. But before I, had to, I petitioned him, I had to repent because I was wrong at the time, okay? <laughs> and all I can say when I was done was, Lord, really? My God, my feelings, my emotions were all over the place. I felt sorry for the boys, I felt betrayed, I was disappointed. Over time, I'd fallen into a state of depression that I didn't even know I was in. God, now what? Now what do I do? I know that nothing happens by coincidence, I know that all things work for the good of those who love the Lord. That's what you said. But God, this was not supposed to work out like this. Now we are in June of this year, and I'm still working with the agency, agency trying to make sure that whatever is done next is of the best interest of the twins. One day out of the blue, sitting at my office, out of nowhere I hear the word get up. Now with this normally happens to me, I immediately start paying attention. Because most of the time, it's God giving me a word to encourage somebody else, to minister to somebody else. I keep hearing it. Couple of days, get up, get up. Well, you know, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. This can't be for me, you know. Um, going to work, taking care of kids, taking care of home, serving here at Elevate, what is, get up. Even though at this point I'm running on autopilot, I don't know what's going on with the case because I haven't heard from the agency. We're just pushing it day by day. I'm ready to move on, but I feel stuck. I'm lying in bed one night and out of nowhere, I must have drifted off but God started bringing back to my remembrance all the things he had, we had overcome through this storm, the different things that I had petitioned him for even before the storm, the doors that he had opened for me, but because of what I was going through and everything that was happening around me, I lost focus. I lost the fire. I lost interest on the things that I was doing for me. Again, I hear plain as day, get up. Okay, Lord, at this point, I hear you. 
I began to weep. And all I can say was, Lord, I hear you. God, forgive me. I went into prayer, and I mean, I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. I stayed there until I got a release. I got up the next morning by choice, and I shook off depression. I shook off feeling hurt. I shook off feeling like I had been betrayed. I called my realtor, and I told her, you know what? Let's do this. It took me, let's see, that was June. It took me about a month, month and a half. But God is so faithful. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm here to tell you, as of Friday, August 21st, I closed on my home. And I thank God. I thank God. Woo, thank you, God. Yep, I'm still in the storm. I have my good days and I have my not so good days. But you know, what the enemy meant for evil, God is already working it out for our good. This is why I can tell my story. I can tell it with joy and give God all the glory. Because things does not turn out the way we expect, at the time that we expect, it does not mean that God is not in the midst and that our prayers have gone unheard. I had to. We have to remind ourselves that, first of all, he is a God that cannot lie. If he said it in his word, it shall come to pass. He knows the ending of whatever we're going through right from the beginning. That means that he already had control of our situation even before we entered that storm. God says to bring his word back to his remembrance, not because he forgot, not because he's forgetful what he or, or he forgot what he said, but it's so that we can encourage ourselves in, in the Lord. We have the privilege to go boldly before the throne, of, the throne of grace. God, you said no weapon formed against me shall prosper. God, you said that greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. God, you said that the prayers of the righteous availeth much. In one of my darkest hours, I was strolling through social media and I ran across this post and it said, you relax on the plane, even though you don't know the pilot, you relax in the ship, even though you don't know the captain, you relax on a bus, even though you don't know the driver. Why can't we relax in God knowing that he's already got it in control? My brothers and sisters in Christ, maybe you have found yourself laying down or tapping out in the midst of your storm. Maybe you have lost your focus on God because things have gotten so blurry that you can't make heads or tails out of your situation. I encourage you to get up. Shake the dust off your feet. By faith, move forward knowing that he's already working it out. You've got to. I got to just get through the process. God bless you all. Come on, give it up for Felicia. So good, sister. I love what you said. You said, just because you don't see it doesn't mean God's not doing something in it. I think that's a word for somebody today, just to get up, 
It's the get up. Come on, that's so good. Hey, what a start. We're just getting started. Come on, somebody. Hey, our second speaker, rapid fire here, our second speaker. Uh, some of you might know his, his voice, and I'll explain that here in just a minute, but he's been attending. He and his family for over four years. You're going to recognize his voice, maybe from WCTL, local radio station. He was on the show, The Good Guys in the Morning. Come on, he and his wife, they're licensed practice, or professional counselors with over 30-plus years helping the emotional and spiritual well-being of people right here in this city. Can we give up a big welcome to Mark Bradley Morrow? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Nice shoes. Why, thank you. Look at that. 50th anniversary Vans. I only wear them on special occasions. You're only as sick as your secrets. It's a saying that the creators of, uh, the founders of Alcoholics Anonymous created, and I believe that, my wife and I believe it, because for three decades, the two of us, we have heard secret after secret after secret, and man, they are dark, and they are deep, and they are shameful. And it is my prayer this morning that if anyone out there, and I, I, not, I believe there is, I believe there's somebody out there this morning, maybe online watching, who has a secret, and you've been harboring that for, for a long time, it's, it's my prayer that the Holy Spirit ignites your heart to surrender that secret. Secrets like the 40-year-old man that came into my office when the whole Jerry Sandusky sexual scandal hit, and he told me for the first time that when he was 13, he was raped by his scoutmaster. He kept that a secret for 27 years and lived in darkness and shame and had panic attacks and depression. It was affecting his marriage. It was affecting his job. Or the 30-year-old woman that came into my office and she said, I got to tell my husband something, and I've never shared it with anybody. And I said, what's that? And she said, Mark, I've had 300 sexual partners. Or the man who came into my office, and he shared that he'd been married for five years, but during that time, he had been unfaithful to his wife, and he cheated with 25 different women. And he was about to break that news to her in my office, coming up. Or the 56-year-old woman who told me that she was gang-raped at the age of 13 by her older brother's neighborhood friends. And I said, how many people have you shared that with? And she said, Mark, you're the first one. 43 years, this woman kept that a secret. Is it any wonder that she struggled with alcoholism and that her fourth marriage was about to end? Or the woman in her 30s who sobbed and she couldn't quit crying because she told me that she had had six abortions. Every time she got pregnant, her husband forced her to have an abortion. He used it as birth control. I hear a lot of the stuff about abortion in my office. It's something that people don't like to talk about, but people really should because research indicates that 35% of all women will have at least one abortion by the age of 45. And that Every woman that has an abortion, there's a father out there, right? There's a post-abortive father. You know, those people in my office, they're just like you and me, right? We're all in this together. 
And you know what? Their stories are kind of like King David's story. He committed adultery with Bathsheba and he tried to keep it a secret. You know, he got Bathsheba pregnant. And so he had this trick in his mind, like, I'm going to have her husband, Uriah the Hittite, put out in the front lines of battle, and then we're going to withdraw the troops. And he was killed. But the secret came to light. They always do, don't they? They always come to light. Wouldn't you rather bring it to light yourself than have somebody else bring it to light? Or Moses. Love Moses. But he murdered a man with his bare hands, and then he fled Egypt. But he kept that a secret in his new land. I love the scripture, Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Those stories that I shared with you, I helped these people, and I can tell you that God worked those out for good. He did. And he worked King David's story out for good, and he worked Moses' story out for good. You know, I'm a great counselor. <laughs> I am. I might be the best in Erie. Just saying. But it's not because I have a master's degree in counseling. It's not because I'm nationally board certified. It's not because I have a license. There's lots of people that have those. But you know what makes me a great counselor? It's the life experiences that God has allowed me to have. In the 1980s, I experienced a lot of tragedy. Some of it I didn't bring it on myself at all, but some of it I did. In 1980, my dad suddenly died of a cerebral aneurysm while coaching the girls' volleyball team at the district championships at the age of 45. And then the very next two years, my two favorite uncles committed suicide. That's how my 80s started. So when people come into my office and they have pain and hurt from suffering and loss, I get it. But the late 80s, I got something to share with you. I got something I kept a secret for 18 years. In my late 20s, I got three women pregnant, which resulted in four abortions in 20 months. I kept that a secret for 18 years. I lived in a lot of darkness and shame, but man, could I keep that facade going, right? Doing the good guys in the morning, hey, wake up, yeah. I was that guy, but I had a facade going. So how many people here believe that God could work that out for good? Anyone? Amen. Well, he did. After I repented of my sins, I knew that God forgave me, but I, I had a very hard time forgiving myself. That took some time. I was in graduate school. I met a woman, a single mom named Jeannie. She had a little three-year-old girl. And I fell in love with this woman. I led her to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I fell in love with that little girl, and I said, Jeannie, I would like to marry you and adopt Ricky as my own on the condition that we never have children. I never wanted children. I had a vasectomy two months before we got married. Yeah. So I had a vasectomy, I got married, and I adopted Ricky as my own. And as the years went by, God showed me what a blessing and an honor and a privilege it was to be a dad. And I went back to the doctor and I had a reversal and guess what? It didn't work. Yeah, it didn't work. I went back to the Cleveland Clinic, had a second reversal and it worked. Now you can applaud. 
And my wife got pregnant pretty quick. And at the three-month mark, I was doing the good guys in the morning, and I called up my wife live, and she announced to tens of thousands of listeners that we were going to have a baby. And a couple days later, she had a miscarriage. And I was freaking out because I thought God was paying me back because I still had the secret of my abortions. My wife did not know about it. My wife got pregnant very quickly thereafter, and guess what? I have a daughter, and her name is Faith Madison. She's 19 years old, and she just returned to college. And as a freshman, the faculty voted her most distinguished freshman of the year. And I have a son. His name is Ross. And I named him after my dad, my grandfather. And he just finished 10th grade. And as a 10th grader, he got a varsity letter in golf and baseball. And that little girl, Ricky, is now 33, and she's a licensed professional counselor in South Carolina. Back in 2013, God had my wife and I open up our own private practice called Brighter Tomorrow's Counseling. We're busy as ever. Have, have anybody noticed the world's going crazy? Yeah, I see 10, 11 people a day. But we're doing great things, and God is working through us to help others. From 2013 to 2019, I worked on a book. God laid it on my heart to write a book. It's called The Greatest Pretender. And that is Pat Boone for you old timers like myself. <laughs> Pat Boone for you youngsters. You don't know this, but back in the 50s, uh, Pat Boone sold, uh, well, the only person to sell more records than Pat Boone was Elvis Presley. And Pat Boone was like the Justin Bieber of the 50s for you young people. <laughs> And now God has me traveling around the country. Colby asked me the last two years, Mark, can you do Ignite? I'm like, nah, man, I'm flying over to Oregon. I'm in Phoenix. Like, I'm speaking about how abortion affects men. And just in May, Daystar, a Christian television network, they're the second largest Christian uh, television network in the world. They flew me in. I did three shows, and my story was broadcast around the world. But none of this could have happened if I never relinquished my secret. And when I did, it might have been the most difficult thing I ever did in my life. It really did. It really did. It was hard. I love James 5, 14 and 16. Is any one of you sick? Anyone out there? Anyone out there in TV land? Like a secret? Anyone have a secret? The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Is there someone here this morning that has a secret? Look, if I can stand up here and talk about four abortions from 30 years ago with absolutely no shame at all, Jesus Christ took away my shame, then I encourage any of you to surrender your secret. You know, if you get on Elevate's homepage, there's this little blurb, and Jeannie and I could use this, say the exact same words for our private practice, but it says, 
At Elevate, we don't see your past, the way you dress, or how many tattoos you have. We believe there's greater purpose, freedom, and hope for your future. I encourage you to surrender your Surrender your secret this morning, and you know what? Jesus has my back, and I know he has your back, too. Thank you. So good. Thank you, Mark. What a great story of redemption. And Church, Mark mentioned that book that he wrote. It's called The Greatest Pretender. That's a sweet tat. Let's go. He wrote the book called The Greatest Pretender, and I want to let you know we have these available at the Hub. There's a handful of copies left. Every dollar, every proceed from this book is going towards the Women's Care Center that we sell this weekend. And so it's a great opportunity. Just another example of Mark's uh, secret becoming a blessing, and Mark and Jeannie, their heart of their, of their lives to be generous, they've decided that they were also going to match the dollar amount that we will be sending as a church to the Women's Care Center as well. And so thank you, Mark and Jeannie, for your story and for being a blessing. All right, let's kick it off to our, our third speaker. He's used to doing halftime speeches. In fact, he's the Iroquois football coach. Uh, some of you might be like, wow, Pastor Colby's been sitting up there the whole time and hasn't been talking. Oftentimes been mistaken from, for PC, but he's got a bachelor's degree from Edinburgh University, where my Fighting Scots at. Come on, somebody. Yeah, yeah. He's one of the most winningest coaches in uh, District 10 history. You wouldn't know that from talking to him. He's one of the most humble guys I know, but his wife, Kara, of 20 years, and his daughter, Sadie, of five years, uh, who's five years old, is just incredible. So, hey, can we give it up to Matt Morgan? Come on. I, I said earlier that music makes me feel like I'm going into the ring on WWE to fight. So I guess I should get fired up about it. Um, like Pastor Wool said, I'm used to giving pregame speeches, so if I start yelling and acting like you're a bunch of teenage boys, I apologize for that. But I am more fired up about what I'm going to talk about than any game, championship, anything like that I've ever been a part of, because today I'm going to have an opportunity to speak to you about my Lord and Savior, my Redeemer, Jesus Christ, who has changed my life. Just to give you a quick background, and I talked to a lot of people in the lobby the last two times, and some people saying, you sound like you had my life. So I think it's something we all share with. I grew up in a awesome Christian home with awesome Christian parents that are sitting here. They were heavily involved in church. They taught Sunday school. They led small groups in the house when I would be up in my bedroom listening to rock and roll music. Uh, <laughs> I was at church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night for youth group, if you've ever done that thing. I went to youth camps, I went to youth conventions. When it was time for me to go to college, I was gonna play college football and I found a church in, or a college in Missouri where I could play football and go to a fundamental Christian church, or college, I'm sorry. I was on fire for the Lord. I was even sharing my faith with unbelievers. But something changed. 
Something changed that led me to walk away from the church and God's people for 20 years. I didn't really realize it was 20 years. When you get old, time flies. Uh, for 20 years, I walked away and never really came to church unless it was Christmas, Easter, or a funeral, or a wedding. How does this occur? It occurs by drifting. Nobody wakes up one day and says, I'm done with church. I'm not going. Or I'm done with Jesus. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 says, so we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard or we may drift away from it. It's a slow, steady drift. And unfortunately, we've seen people during the COVID period, during this crazy time Mark talked about in our world, drifting away. When I read about the disciple Peter, who was maybe the original drifter, okay, Peter reminds me of myself. Peter was the guy that when Jesus was walking on the water and all the other disciples said, it's a ghost, Peter said, let me get out there and walk out there. When they came to arrest Jesus, to crucify him, when the Romans came, Peter was the one that drew his sword and was ready to throw down. But then a couple days later, he would deny even knowing Jesus in front of a little girl. That's me. That's me. You say, how does that happen? What happens with a sense of pride, a spirit of pride that I had? I will never do that. I'll be different. I don't have to do what all these crazy Christians do. I can go to church once every other week. Or then it turns into, well, I'll go once a month. And then if I had a rough night on Saturday night, I'm not going. Laziness and complacent. I became lazy. I became complacent in my Bible reading, my prayer, and being plugged into a church. I was literally starving. I was starving myself to death spiritually. I've never seen anyone who's plugged in reading the Bible every single day, getting up, doing their devotionals, drifts away. They're rooted. I got in with the wrong crowd. This is, a, this is one I'm going to kind of tiptoe around. <laughs> I got in with the wrong crowd of Christians. Christians. And you need to be on guard for that. Christians that will start bad-mouthing the pastor, bad-mouthing things that go on, and pretty soon the enemy will get a foothold in your mind. And you say, yeah, you're right. And then next thing you know, you start walking away. And then you start saying, well, this, this group here that's not Christians, they're not too bad. Let me hang with them a little bit more. And before long, I'm in the bar a lot more than I was in church. Some of you know that person that was there. I know in the last service we did. <laughs> Some of you are laughing right now. <laughs> I allowed myself to be offended. I allowed things in the church, little things. Here's a freebie for you. If you're in a church long enough, if you grew up in a church, something or someone might offend you. You can't let that change your faith. Your faith needs to be anchored in Jesus Christ. When I was a teenager in, in, in pressing forward in my faith and growing, on fire for God. This was the, the 90s, was the late 90s. 
got my ears pierced. Well, someone that worked in the church came up to me, pulled me aside and said, and a couple of my friends that did the same thing, we all went to Mill Creek Mall right over here. Piercing pagoda. Uh, <laughs> got her ears pierced. Well, somebody came up to me at the church and said, you can't serve in the house anymore with earrings in your ear. I allowed that to just be done. If I get out of order here, I'm sorry. These sheets were flying all over the place earlier. <laughs> all right. Most importantly, though, I took my eyes off of Jesus. Growing up in a Christian home, and, and I see it now, people follow you know, a, a church or a pastor or someone on Instagram. And if that ministry falls, if you're not anchored, it can shake you. You need to be plugged in to your local church. You need to be in God's word every day. Prayer and worship. Because things will happen. Things will happen. You need to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. I just spoke about Peter. He was fine walking on the water till he looked over at the storm and boom, down he went. And then Jesus had to pull him up. For 20 years I was away, but I always knew the truth. I always knew the truth. It's hard to talk about, but I struggled with anxiety, with depression, I would start, I self-medicated it with alcohol. And I knew I didn't need to do this because I knew that the Holy Spirit, if he was filling me, I wouldn't need an artificial substance to make me right. So what made me come to my senses? <laughs> what made me wake up? I believe two things made me come to my senses. I had hidden God's word in my heart as a child and as a teenager. My parents taught it to me in their home, which I pray today all parents are doing that. The most important thing you can do, and I say this, I've worked with young people, children, all ages for over 20 years in the Erie School District and different school districts. Most important thing you do is not what sports team they're on, what college they go to, that's great. That's wonderful. The most important thing you can do as a parent is teach your kids about Jesus Christ. <laughs> Secondly, the prayers of my parents praying for me my grandmothers, who were great women of God. And I said, when they prayed for me, I know they didn't pray and say, pray that Maddie goes to the old movie theater and, <laughs> and a church that has lights and music. They just wanted me to get right with the Lord. Okay? That was the prayer. I also believe the prayers of Pastor Colby and Kristen of following God's lead, of, of found, founding a church here in Erie, Pennsylvania for people that were like me, that were like you, that were far from God. I'll close with this. 
Six years ago, my wife and I at that time had been married for 14 years. And I was standing in my kitchen. And if I'm standing in my kitchen, I'm doing one of two things. I'm either feeding my face or I'm playing on my phone probably. And my wife came in and she had tears in her eyes. And for 14 years we'd been married and the doctors told us there's absolutely no way you will ever have a baby, you will ever get pregnant. My wife walked in, tears in her eyes, said, I'm pregnant. <laughs> After I almost passed out on the floor and, and gathered myself, I immediately started thinking about these Bible stories that I had remembered and been taught when I was a child. I started remembering about Sarah and Abraham, about how they were given a child when they were old and tired and, and just made no sense in the, in, in the real reality without God. So I knew this was divine, that it occurred. So the first thing I did is I thought to myself, there's no way I'm bringing my daughter into this world and not giving her a Christian foundation. So I started, some people I worked with, some friends, I started hearing about Elevate, and Elevate was a cool thing, and I may or may not have been told I looked like the pastor. <laughs> so then I'm like, oh, I'll try this church out. It was down at Harding at the time, but I didn't make it there. So I, I went to my gym, and I started going to my gym, and all of a sudden there's this billboard, Elevate. Every day I get on my car to go in the gym, just looking at me. I said, there's something to this. Holy Spirit's, Holy Spirit's on me. I remember the day that I humbled myself and decided to drive to Elevate Church. I remember where I parked that day. Parked right out here. And I had my hands on the steering wheel, and I wouldn't get my hands off the steering wheel. I was so afraid I'd come in and somebody would say, oh, we know who you are. You used to be a bouncer at the bar, which I said is another story for another time. <laughs> or you've done this and you've done that, and I was afraid. And I sat there and I saw people get out of their cars, and I saw them with jeans and sneakers and tattoos, and they were smiling, coming in. I said, this, isn't, this looks not like a normal church. This looks cool. <laughs> so I finally got the courage together. I got out of the car, and I heard the worship music playing loud from outside of the building. And I was in that parking lot, and I could feel the Spirit of God in the parking lot, in the parking lot. Once again, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing in my mind the Bible stories that I was taught as a child. I'm thinking the prodigal son. I'm walking back. I'm walking back. The door opens up. Dan Rosenberg opens the door, and he says, good morning, coach. Half the people I know call me coach. It was like he had called me by name. I remember where we went, where I sat, right over there with my wife. We had our baby in the little carrier. And I remember PC praying, and I remember that day recommitting myself to Christ. <laughs> 20 years, 20 years 
like that. 20 years. I was in this room probably a little over an hour. I walked out of here like a million pounds had been lifted off of me. I'm not going to say that every day was perfect since then. There's been attacks and things that... <laughs> it's a journey. It's the best decision I ever made in my life. Was coming here and making that decision. I just want to leave you with this. Especially for the parents, for the grandparents. You're praying for your kids, your grandchildren. Maybe you're an aunt, maybe you're an uncle. Maybe you don't have kids, but you know of kids in your neighborhood, whatever. Keep praying for them. Keep praying for them. No matter how old they are. I don't care if they're in prison. I don't care if they're strung out on drugs. Jesus Christ can redeem them in a minute. In a minute. Thank you very much. Come on, folks. so powerful. 20 years of drifting, but in a moment, it's all Jesus needs. One moment, and the weight lifted off his shoulders. Oh, come on. We're, I feel like we're just getting started, but I'm going to intro our last speaker. I don't even know. I'm all fired up. It's Ignite. Let's go. Our last speaker, uh, his real name is Mike Brainiac, but most of y'all don't know that. He goes by Mike Sheffield. Chef is on our production team. He's the operations manager uh, for some radio stations. So again, you probably know his voice, maybe more than you know his face. But Mike uh, is a, a been a part of Elevate Church for a handful of years, been in the broadcast industry, radio industry for over 30 years, and he's starting to write his book on his journey to freedom. Can we give one last big welcome to Mike Sheffield? Hey, hey, hey. you. Give that praise to Jesus because he deserves every bit of it. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There is no one like him. It is good to be in the house. It is good to be here with you this morning. Are you ready? Oh, man. Real quick, if we could just sometime today, um, when you leave today, could we remember that there are some military families who had knocks on their doors this past week? And uh, can we just remember our Americans that are in Afghanistan and uh, keep them in prayer? And let's pray for our leadership in our country. I, 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 gotta, I was raised in church all my life as a young kid. But I was raised in religion and legalism. And that is no disrespect to my parents. That's how they were raised. It's, it's a generation thing. And I got involved, I got this love for radio when I was 14, and I'll put that story in my book because it's just too, I'll tell you another time. Just get the book when it comes out. It may involve some law enforcement, or may not. But as a teenager, I got involved in this church we were going to. This family started a Christian promotion company. And I got involved with that. And what they would do is they would bring Christian rock bands to local high schools, Corey, Erie, Edinburgh University. And they always needed volunteers for stage crew. And I'd be like, yeah, uh, sign me up. There's buses and semis involved. I'm down, man. 
And uh, so some of those bands, Mylon and Brokenheart, DeGarmo and Key, Striper, did staging for those guys. Just volunteered to help. Learned how to wrap cables with their tour guys. It was kind of cool. And I had the long hair. It was the 80s. I had the long hair. I had both colors of cans of Aquanet. Some of you guys did too. The blue and the pink. The pink had the extra hold. You know you used it. You're in church. Don't deny it. It came down to here, you know. And every, every, three, every three weeks, I got the ends highlighted. I got, got the tips highlighted, you know. And I had an earring. And boy, that was, a, that was just, let me tell you something. An earring in my household uh, growing up, uh, my sister is here. She will tell you, supper that night was not fun. <laughs> it, uh, Dad, I thought Dad was going to kill me. But we survived that. So I would work with these bands, and then I would, and they're doing stuff. They're doing kingdom work, you know. They're, they're, they're like, they laid the foundation for contemporary Christian music as you hear it today, okay. Mylan's ministry itself led over 200,000 kids to Christ. Some of those people, some of those people now, they, they're like doctors and lawyers and politicians and counselors and psychologists and teachers and, you know, and, and I, I, Christians would come to me and go, you know, you need to get a haircut. Yeah, and you need to get that earring out of your ear because, you know, God can't use you to use that stuff in your, in your repertoire. And it discouraged me. And Matt touched on that a little bit. And I said, okay, I am, when I got into my adulthood, I said, I'm done going to church. I don't want nothing to do with God. Oh, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and God raised him from the dead, and that's good enough for me. Can I just tell you that is not enough? That is not enough. He has more for you. He, in fact, he has a plan for you. And he wants to use you. And um, I got so far away from God, I just started living a rock and roll lifestyle. My radio career was going on, a, on an upswing. And in my radio career, I have had the opportunity to hang out with the biggest names in rock and roll and country music and WWE, rub elbows with John Cena and You Can't See Me. And it's been cool. That's what we do in, in my line of work. We take people to concerts. We have an opportunity to throw people in limousines. Well, not literally throw them in limousines, but put them in limousines and take them to concerts and hang out with Carrie Underwood or, you know, whoever. I love doing that kind of stuff. That's just what we do. But I got so far away from God that Jack Daniels became my God. By the gallon, a week. Figure out that cost. In early 2000s, I just got bored with drinking. I said, I don't, I don't drink anymore. I'm, I'm done with that. You, you all can go do that. And fast forward to uh, 2017, 2018. I get up every day. I entertain thousands of people on the radio. I love doing that. There's a lot of laughing that goes on. If you listen to any of my shows, we laugh a lot. We do a lot of things. And I would do my shows, and I would go do appearances, and then I would go home. And I would sit at my kitchen table for hours, sometimes in the dark. Sometimes it was... 
You'd think I stood my shower with my clothes on because I would sweat so much because as I'm sitting at my kitchen table, I'm thinking of ways to end my life. And I've never shared this with anyone. My family's never heard this. Coworkers have never heard this. Just these folks on the stage and some close friends. I just wanted to die. And one Saturday afternoon, a person came to me to visit an addict. And they said to me, you know, God will get your attention. He will do whatever he has to do to get your attention. If he can use a donkey in the Bible to speak through a donkey, he will talk through an addict. He will talk through a preacher. He will talk through a song. If he wants your attention, he will get it. And this person said to me, you know, you need to start going back to church. In fact, you need to get into a relationship with God. And I know this really cool church. I know you haven't been to church. I hadn't been to church since 2015 when my mom passed away. And they said, I know you've got, you got, you know, you don't do the church thing, but there's this really cool church. You should go check it out. I think you're going to like it. They got the lights and the smoke and they got a really great band. And I said, okay, I'll go check it out. So the next day I walked into this building for the first time. I sat in seat number three, right back there where you're sitting along that back wall, third seat from that wall. The band rocked. I just love this staging stuff. I love this stuff. The band rock PC came out. Pastor Colby came out. The first message I heard him teach, he was teaching in his series of who we are. And he said three words, plan, purpose, and freedom. And when I left here, I left with a spark. But I still had this deep, dark depression going on. Night after night after night, sitting at my kitchen table, wanting to die. But I kept coming back to this house every week. And Mother's Day, the day, Kristen stood right here. She said, all of the promises of God are yes and amen. I had never heard that in my entire life growing up in church. I'm sitting back on seat number three. Every week I came here, I sat in seat number three. It was always open. You know why? Because God does things in threes. And when she said that, I moved to the edge of seat number three, and I said, what is that? I want to know what that is. I could not get out of this parking lot fast enough. It just was in my head, and I was just... my. Something was stirring in me. I didn't know what it was then, but I know now that was a Holy Ghost saying, I got you, boy. I got you where I want you. I'm taking you to another level. I got home. I walked past the kitchen table of death went into some boxes where I had things packed away. I knew I had a Bible, and I knew that what she said had come out of the Bible, and I had to find my Bible to find out what these promises of God were that are all yes and amen. So I went into the boxes. I dug out the Bible, the Word of God, the Book of Life. I took it to the kitchen table. 
where death was at every night, night after night after night. I opened, that was one o'clock in the afternoon. I opened that book up. I opened that book. I, let me tell you something. Well, if I could ignite you anyway, let me just tell you this. I know this is a big book. There's a lot of pages. There's a lot of words in here. I can't even get through First Chronicles. But if you just read one page a day, one page a day, there's power in the words in this book. Here's the miracle. I'm looking for the promises of God that are all yes and amen from the spark that Pastor Colby lit weeks before. I'm looking. And as I'm looking and going through the pages, I see I am for you, not against you. I go before you, behind you, beside you. I am all around you. Revelation 3.20, I'm standing at the door of your heart. I'm knocking. If you let me in, I will show you life, and I will give it to you to the full. Power in the words of this book leapt off the pages. The thoughts of death left. Life came in. What Colby turned into a spark, Kristen turned into a raging flame that here I am. I'm ready. I'm ready to take on the devil. I'm ready to kick his teeth in. I am not. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I will tell who I need to tell, when I need to tell, in the middle of an Ozzy Osbourne song or Blake Shelton. I don't care. My God, my God, if you only knew what he has for you, bring that camera over here. Bring that camera over here. I know I got a face for radio, but I want this to get into somebody's spirit. I have been there. I have done that. You may be watching online, just on all the screens. I want to put your phone down. Listen to me. Whatever negative words that guy or that girl said to you, that made you feel that you have no purpose, there was no plan for you, you could never make it, you could not be a success, those were lies from the pits of hell. You do have purpose. There is a plan for you. His name is Jesus. Jesus, the Son of the living God. And He is here. He is standing and knocking on your door. Freedom is waiting for you. Freedom is in this house. Reach out and grab it. Take it in the name of Jesus. You're about to be set free on your road to freedom. Every head bowed, every eye closed. It is time. It is time for you to make that step. Step out of your box of comfort and complacency and into the box where his super comes into your natural and changes you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. I don't care what you did last night. I don't care what you did last week. I don't care what you drank, what you snorted, what you injected. It doesn't matter. He's here to change you. I don't care how much money you have or don't have. I don't care what kind of car you drive. Everybody just say this, Jesus, here I am. I am in a mess. I want you to come into my mess.
and turn my mess into a message. Jesus, say, Jesus, right now, I believe that you are the Son of God and that God raised you from the dead. I want you to come into my life. I want you to come into my heart. I want you to take over my life, get in this mess with me, and get me on my road to freedom. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.